Hey, Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Morillo, and I am thrilled that you are here. This podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, purpose, impact, and prosperity for all. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we'll be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, before I introduce today's guest, I have one request. Would you be willing to go to iTunes or whatever app that you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review? It is so helpful for us. It enables the algorithms to find us, helps people find our community, and it helps our guests to get their messages out to more people. It's a small thing that would mean so much to us. Thank you. So are you ready to be inspired? Today, our guest is Tara Powers, and our title is Focusing on Human Connection Moments as a Catalyst for Change. So Tara is a keynote speaker. She's a leadership coach and founder of the Powers Resource Center, which she created because she was tired of seeing leaders and teams flounder because they weren't getting the support, training, and resources that they needed. Now, over 300 companies and 30,000 leaders later, she knows a thing or two about what works to build trust and belonging on a team. She's also the author of the recent book, Virtual Teams for Dummies by Wiley. So welcome, Tara. Thank you so much, Jane. It's a pleasure being here. You know, we haven't known each other for that long, but I get a sense we could really have a deep dive conversation today and probably talk all day. Yes, I think so too. Yep. We need to make that happen over a cup of of tea. We certainly do. So just to introduce you to our listeners and let them get to know you a little better, can you give us a few insights of the real life human that you are behind your professional bio? Mm. Yes. So I am a mother of two beautiful girls, ages 10 and 12. I live in Colorado. Um, We have a rescue dog named Houston who we got from Texas after the floods and he was supposed to be a small 40 pound dog and he is a 90 pound (gasps) beast. (laughs) Yes. I close the door so he doesn't, I mean, he literally tries to crash through the door to get in my office many times when he wants to, he just bullies his way around. So it's very, very different than what we had expected. Um, But yeah, I uh, have had my business working with companies in in the corporate arena for 20 years, coming up on 20 years. And I got into this field because um, I was asked, I was an accountant at the time, and I was asked if uh, anyone in the accounting department wanted to build a training program for managers because they were they did not know how to read budgets. And so I said, that sounds interesting. So I built a program and It was the connection that I was able to make with people one-on-one, teaching them, you know, and helping them uh, grow that totally filled my soul. And so I quickly 
left accounting and I got into, you know, kind of the HR field, I guess you would say, where I was able to work with people more, um, helping them learn and develop their skills. And, and that, that has led over the years to just amazing personal growth for me. Um, and also, I think some deep insight into, you know, what I think I see happening at work which has led me to the topic we're gonna to talk about today. And what I have seen happen at work is we are not taking the time nor prioritizing authentic human connection. Mm. We're letting a lot of other things distract us and get in the way. We are too busy and overwhelmed. Um, and I think it's really hurting us. I think it's hurting us as a society I believe it's certainly hurting human beings. There's more depression and loneliness in the workplace than ever before. And, um, you know, I'm actually building a keynote on this topic. And in my research, I found so much unbelievable data about the loneliness epidemic at work. Um, and that studies show it's worse than smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's a greater threat to our health than obesity. It increases heart disease risk by 29% and stroke by 32%. It's suppressing our immune systems and life expectancy by seven years. Um, and it impairs our ability to reason, make good decisions, and be creative. And so this loneliness epidemic that we're seeing, it's not just at work. It really is in schools. It's in communities. Um, and I really believe that we need a revolution around connection. And that's kind of what we're talking about today. So that's a quick little background about me. <laughs> Thank you. And, you know, I, I can't help but kind of dial us back a little bit because what you're talking about there, like I was just, as you were speaking, I was like, wow, yeah, we've totally got to dig into this topic. Mm -hmm. But there's also something else here, which is like, you were an accountant. I was. <laughs> right? Like a number you, cruncher, yes, I right. Would. So, how do you get from being an accountant, <laughs> right, to actually taking a stand for authentic human connection? Well, it sounds like something that you're really passionate about today. Mm -hmm. So, just give our listeners a little insight into you know that journey that you went on to get there. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I think back to you know what I loved to do as a child it was all about connection. That is who I truly was in my soul. And so it doesn't surprise me that I'm doing this work. I really believe that is my message to bring to the world. Um, I got into accounting because I was good at math. I come from a family of engineers and that engineering mind, and I was super you know, good at math and science. It came easy to me. And um, unfortunately, you know, at a young age, I was not very connected to purpose and impact and prosperity and doing what your heart is calling you to do, which obviously that's what this whole Sacred Change Makers has come about because mm -hmm. of that. And I, I have listened to your stories. It's uh, pretty amazing. Um, but I didn't, I didn't really tap into any of that for a long time. And so... I really, um, you know, was doing that accounting work. I knew that that wasn't my calling and it wasn't really until I got that opportunity 
to do, to train and be, you know, one-on-one teaching people that I, it was almost like the gate, the floodgates opened. Mm. I mean, I, I got this overwhelming sense through my whole body. I am supposed to be helping teach people this way. Right. Mm. Um, and so through many conversations with my manager at the time, uh, decided human resources might be a better fit for me. Uh, I went back and got a master's degree in organizational development and leadership. And so that I could really understand kind of the workings of teams, um, how we develop cultures in companies and those type of things. And from there, it just grew, right? I, I just kind of grew my own career internal to an organization. And then I decided I wanted to have a greater impact with many organizations. And so I started my own business in 2001 um, and have had the wonderful opportunity to travel internationally. I've done a lot of work virtually with global teams. I've certainly coached and mentored people who are you know, I, uh, I've watched transform the way they connect with people and um, work together. And that's what brings me the greatest satisfaction is to be able to, to help people who are struggling, really connecting, you know, and being transparent and open and honest, which is what I think we need to really do more of. Mm. And you use some language there that we don't often hear when we're talking about our professional careers or indeed in businesses, you talked about this as your calling. So I'd love to know at what point in your journey did this start to kind of feel like a calling to you? And and actually, how how did you know? What does this feel like when you have a calling? Mm. That's a good question. Um, What I feel like, and I, I actually think this is helpful for everyone is when you feel like you are doing something, doing work that is, uh, and you forget how much time has gone by, right? Mm -hmm. Like you look up and you've been sitting there for five hours or the day just goes like the snap of a finger. That's a good indication that you might be doing something that's really speaking to your soul. That's a strength for you. Um, that comes naturally. It's naturally how you're wired. And so that definitely was something I noticed when I was building this very first learning and development program on budgets for managers. I loved it. I loved thinking about what do they need to know? What do they, how can I support them? How do I help them? Right? Because they're, they're struggling. Um, And when I was building that content, for them and then getting be, having the opportunity to t- actually teach uh and connect with them that was really pretty amazing like the, I, I you get that full body sense like i am nervous and excited at the same time when i was done i was exhilarated you know but again just like time passed so quickly and i was able to do things i never even thought about doing before. I never even did them before. And I was able to learn really quickly. So that's another indication that you might be tapping into your calling is that um, you um, engage in rapid learning, right? So you rapidly pick something up. It, It seems to all fall in place so easily for you. 
So those are a couple key things that I um, pay attention to and certainly let me know I was onto something way back mm. when. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're so glad you did because yes, that, that really brings us to our title. Yeah. You know, focusing on human connection moments as a catalyst for change. So tell us about that. Well, as I mentioned, human connection is absolutely imperative for our health, our minds. But I also believe through human connection, it is the only way that we can reach our full potential. And I'm guessing that you've probably heard the word Ubuntu. I imagine. Yes. Yes. I would imagine that's something, you know, um, you know, but, uh, that's an, it's a, it's an African word. Um, I think it was, uh, Desmond Tutu or Nelson Mandela made it really popular, but I really, it speaks to me very deeply about this idea of connection because what it means is I am who I am because of others, right? If you really think about that, we did not get to become who we are without the impact of people who connected with us authentically and deeply and shaped us and helped us be, you know, kind of be the person that we are today. And so the, you know, the rest of that definition of Ubuntu is we cannot exist in isolation. We are all connected and I can only be me. I can only be my fully expressed version of me and at its highest self when I'm with you and you can only be you when you're with me. So the idea of human connection to me and, and bringing it back into our interactions and making sure that these connection moments, real connection moments are happening, the why that is important is because it's enabling us to get to our fullest potential. And without each other, there is no way that's going to happen, in my opinion. Mm, yeah. So, you know, wh- I heard you there giving voice to the why. And, you know, and I can't help but think about the reality and the context that we're living within today, Mm. particularly today as we're recording this, Tara. Mm -hmm. And I just wondered, you know, what's the bigger why beneath this? Why do you think this is so important today? Well, I think what's happening with the coronavirus and this global pandemic the idea that it is, it is a global pandemic, and I'm putting my quote fingers up here, mm-hmm. I think is a really important indication that we are all connected, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the idea that it is spreading so quickly um, shows that we are all connected. We are already connected. And I just, you know, from a macro perspective, think, that the sooner as a world we can start operating that way, the sooner we are going to heal societies, ourselves, these kind of viruses, you know, that are, that are happening. Um, so I think the bigger why, if we, you know, want to look at it from kind of 15,000 foot level is to recognize this, that we are all connected. So how do we start with these authentic human connections with the people around us, whoever those may be. And hopefully that has a ripple effect right out into the world. Um, So. 
Yeah, and I, I, you know, as I'm listening to you here, there's a really big question that's coming up for me, you know, and if I take a step back, just like you, I can see the interconnections across the world. I, I tend to think of myself like a global citizen, not really belonging to any country, but really belonging to the world. And so when I take that perspective, you know, it makes sense, these interconnections. Yeah. And then you and I were talking before we, we started recording today about, you know, neighborhoods and, and how yes. it can be lonely yet in life. Yes. And I certainly know that because I've lived in many different places. And whenever I situate in a place, obviously, when I first arrive, I don't know anybody locally. Mm -hmm. And I notice how over the years, it's somehow getting harder to meet my neighbors. Agreed. So even though we are in this society where we're probably more connected than we have ever been in some ways. Yep. We're also more disconnected. Why would you say that is? Yeah, because it's not authentic, right? We are not, right. and we're not intentional about it. And it's not, we're not prioritizing it. And so if you think about um, the things that we might prioritize in life, you know, maybe my priority is getting my kids into the best school or making sure that we have the, the nicest home or um, prioritizing, um, you know, uh, our, our vacations and travel. And I, I recently moved into a new, newly built neighborhood. I've been here three years. I think it's about five years old. And what I was commenting to you earlier was, you know, for, with the neighbors I do talk to, many of us comment on how, how we don't know each other. And I certainly have been one of the people who has said, you know, we should start like a neighborhood block party and maybe we do a neighborhood progressive dinner. And um, it's certainly something that I would like to do more of, but I, I think for a variety of reasons, so, so many that it would be hard to pinpoint, but certainly technology, certainly, mm -hmm. um, I mean, even the way our houses are built, right? We pull our cars into our garage in the back, we walk into our houses, we don't sit outside on our porches and talk to each other. Um, you know, part of the research that I've been doing on this whole um, connection revolution and and this epidemic of loneliness, uh, there's this wonderful story, if it's okay if I tell it, mm -hmm. um, called the Rosetto Effect. And it's actually a real story about real families that I knew. Um, and it happened in where I grew up. And it was featured in the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell, if you've ever heard of that book. But in the 1900s, thousands of Italian immigrants moved to my town and they moved just up the rocky hillside and decided to call their town Rosetto, which is the, the village they moved from. And in the 60s, doctors noticed in Rosetto, no one was getting sick. No one was suffering from heart disease. The death rate for men over 65 was half the national average. And, you know, these men were working in the slate quarries where they should have been getting ill from gases and dust, but they weren't. There was no crime in Rosetto, no alcoholism, no drug addiction. They never asked for public assistance. They could not figure out what was going on. So they did this research study and they first looked at their food and they found that was not it because they were, you know, eating meatballs and um, 
fried in lard and tons of cheese and wine and smoking cigars and all of those things. What they did find when they started to look at how they lived was that um, everyone lived more or less alike. The houses were built very close to each other and three to four generations of families were living together. And if you needed something, food, you just went to your neighbors and got it. If someone lost their job, all the neighbors came together and they actually provided food and, and whatever the family needed until the person found a new job. So no one ever felt alone or abandoned. And all of the big stressors that people worry about in life today, losing our job, not having food, shelter, right? Those were all non issues because they knew they were going to be taken care of by their community. And what they found was the only logical explanation for their health was this sense of community and deep connection that lowered their stress and protected their hearts. Um, and I just think that is what we are missing. And it, and it is only because we have allowed, you know, technology, um, capitalism, whatever you want to call it, to get in the way of connection. And that's a great story to, that demonstrates how far we've kind of gotten away from that idea of, hey, we're in this together. Let's, let's support each other. Let's be, be neighborly. What does that mean? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big piece. And I think, you know, what it boils down to is at our deepest core in our souls, we all want to belong, we want to matter, and we want to feel nourished by our relationships and nourish in return. And I do think that we can learn a lot from that study and you, you can look it up. It's called the Rosetto effect. Um, there's just a lot to learn from that study. And I believe we need to really start to fight back and prioritize those type of connections and getting to know each other and supporting each other at work and in our communities. I, I mean, I just, there is, I don't see another way to, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as I'm listening to you and um, thanks for that reference to the Rosetta effect, because I remember reading that a number of years ago in mm-hmm. the, in the book by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah. Um, but also getting the strong sense that, you know, authentic human connection is something that we all need. It's not just a want for us. It's actually something that's very primal. And we know this from some of the studies around health with like premature babies and different things, how they need that skin to skin contact. And, you know, so I I actually think that this is a really important conversation, um, Tara. So I want to thank you for bringing that you know, forward for us all. And I want to unpack it a little more. But before we do, I just want to say thank you to our sponsors. Because most podcasts have one or two sponsors, but we have many. It's a global network of really generous change makers called Changemaker Society. And we give each other the social support we each need to be bold and courageous to make a real difference in our world. And in our community today, people are talking about how to help humanity survive the ecological crisis. They're talking about business challenges that are emerging everywhere at the moment 
moment with the coronavirus. And they're also talking about self-care in these turbulent times. Because what we do in this community is we explore personal challenges <laughs> as well as professional ones. And we really have each other's backs. And we're thought leaders who really care about each other and the world at large, a soul deep community that many of our members call home. So if you would like more social support, if you would like more authentic connection in your life and work from people who really understand and are walking the path alongside you, and if you have challenges in your life and business, I strongly encourage you to go to sacredchangemakers.com forward slash community and check out Changemaker Society because we can help you to make an easier even bigger impact with your work. And a big thank you to everyone there who is part of our community network. <clears throat> so Tara, I want to pick up the conversation and I want to ask you about how this lack of authentic human connection and this loneliness at work has really played out in, in organizations and business. Mm. Well, People are depressed. Um, one in five people at work are experiencing mental health issues. I'm sure, you know, if you're reading any of the news or just paying attention to, to you know, things you're reading, mental health is a significant um, issue that we need to address in our society. And you know, the idea that one in five of the people that you work with are suffering from a mental health condition and 60% of people don't go and seek treatment because they think they can handle it. Um, I just think the surface level relationships that we have come to get comfortable with for some reason, um, and I think there's a lot of reasons actually, but but the surface level relationships that we tolerate, I should say, isn't sustainable, right? Mm -hmm. And um, people are hurting. There's, there's a lot more people depressed, sick, as I mentioned, mental health issues. So if you think about how that's impacting work, I mean, certainly we are not showing up to, with our fullest potential if that's happening. Um, so... Uh, my, my, you know, when we look at engagement scores over the last 10 years, they haven't even really shifted that we haven't moved the needle on engagement at work for 10 years. And it's so funny because we keep talking about how important it is, but nothing's changing. Mm -hmm. And so you wonder, well, well, obviously we're not doing the right stuff, you know, yeah. like we, we're throwing, you know, oh, well, we got to, you know, uh, maybe bring in food every day or uh, let's have happy hour after work. And sometimes those things are helpful, but the real question is how are we prioritizing getting to know each other at a deep level, right? And really making people feel they belong, they matter, and, and they're getting nourished by the relationships that they have. Uh, and I just don't see that happening, right? And so not only are people sick, but we are people, people don't stay. They switch jobs a lot. Um, I think companies are probably not experiencing the level of success that they could. And when you do see a company that is doing it right, because there are some out there, right, that are prioritizing all of these things, 
you know, it's amazing when I walk into those kind of companies because the energy, you just feel it. I don't even have to talk to people. I can see it. I can feel it. It is an energetic shift that is so positive and powerful. Um, and people stay and they're happy and they tell their friends and it becomes this family. You know, I love it when I hear people say, well, we're a family. We want to keep it a family. I find that sometimes that can be really powerful unless it's a dysfunctional family, which I've worked with a couple of them as well. Um, <laughs> but um, I like that. I think that is trying to get to this idea of belonging that is so important when leaders of organizations say we are a family, you know, that to me, that kind of language I think can be really powerful if it's, if they treat people in, in a good, you know, in the right way. Mm. And as I'm listening to you, I'm realizing that, you know, this is a huge issue. And, and the reason it feels like a huge issue for me as you're talking is, you know, most of us spend most of our lives at work. Yeah. So if at work we're not able to create authentic human connection, then we're not going to be happy at work, like you're saying. We're not going to be engaged. We're not going to be performing at our best. There's, there's all these like knock-on effects. And, that well, and then you're taking that. it home. You're taking yes. it home to your family. Exactly. Your kids, you're exhausted. You're, you're sad, right? You, yeah. You're not getting filled up at work or nourished. So then what do you have to give when you get back home or you go and you know, you're just in your community. You, you, you see a drop in even being willing to volunteer because I got nothing to give. Right. 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 It just seems so depleting for us yeah. to, to live our lives in, in this way. Mm -hmm. And so I see that perspective. And then I think about the, or some of the organizations and some of the leaders that I know. And I think, well, you know, like you say, their priorities are elsewhere. Yeah. So I'm wondering in your experience, what is the motivation for business to take this on as a responsibility and be the force for good and kind of lead the conversations and the changes that we need here? Well, I think more, more people are asking for it or demanding it, which is wonderful. I mean, I love the millennial generation and even the generation coming after them because they are really changing the conversation and they are making, or they're forcing this issue to the forefront uh, and saying, I'm not going to come and work for you. More and more people are saying, I'm not going to work for you if I'm not aligned with who you are in the world and the impact that you have on the world and how you treat people, right? And, and do we, you know, a, you know, really create space for that, that real deep connection to occur? And what does that look like? And how do we demonstrate how valuable every single person is to this company, you know, the first day they're there, the first 30 days they're there? So I do think um, we are hearing and seeing more of the generation that's entering the workforce, forcing these conversations, which is wonderful. But the more of us that can also be forcing these conversations and leading the charge, because many of, I'm a Gen Xer, I, most of the Gen Xers, they might be in a leadership role. 
So they can really also influence this conversation um, as well. But I think the benefits to a company are obvious. You know, it's every, it's the opposite of everything we just talked about. Higher levels of engagement, higher levels of productivity, people happier, right? If you're happier at work, you're more productive. Um, if you're happier at work, you stay. You don't leave and, and hop around as, to as many jobs. Um, you bring other good, great people to work there too, right? You're better to your customers. So this is that ripple effect. You're giving back more in your community. You have happier families. Um, I mean, the ripple effect of, of the, the benefits are just enormous. And so I think it's kind of supporting and influencing the conversation, whatever level you're at in the organization and then also as leaders and executives of organizations, I mean, I think the question is, what is the legacy that you are leaving to the world and to the people that are within your um, organization? Because you impact their lives every single day. You know, I work, sometimes I get asked to work with some dysfunctional executive teams. And, um, you know, I, I have one recently I've been working with and they have 600 employees and there's a serious level of dysfunction at the executive level uh, with these four leaders that is trickling down and impacting the lives of 600 people. And then they're leaving their workplace and they're going back out into the world. And then how many lives does that impact? Mm -hmm. So it's like exponential. If you are not focused on creating a healthy, sustainable um, organization, where people feel like they belong and they matter, that impact is so much greater than you can, I think, imagine, right? Yeah, and I, I love that question about what, what is the legacy that you're, you're kind of leaving behind it because I think in some ways, this is a question of leadership and how we define it within organizations because the other thing i just want to say is you know i I also work with a a lot of ceos and the amount of times that a ceo has kind of whispered under their breath that they're so lonely at the top right now this isn't something that's often talked about but this loneliness pervades all levels of the organization and so you know, I just wanted to put that in there. Mm-hmm. But, but I want to talk about what you're pointing to here when you say to a leader, you know, what is the legacy of either you as an individual leader, your team, your department, your organization? What is that legacy going to be? Because what I'm interested in here, Tara, is the way that I see change changing at the moment, which is we've always kind of, or I've always in my career been very focused with clients working with like the one, the individual, and it might be an individual person, an individual team, an individual department, an individual organization. But now I see things changing because there's this link to something greater than just that, if you like the small one into this bigger one of all of us Mm. like and the world and i'd just love to hear your perspective on this this linking the work that you do um with these authentic human connection moments into this space of can we make an impact that is better and has a ripple effect for the world 
not just for us. I definitely think so. And I have all, because of my career working with companies in particular, there's just such an opportunity because if you, if you sell a product and the world is buying it right there, you know, you're already impacting the world. The question is, is it, is it impacting the world in a positive way, right? Is it depleting or is it enhancing? That's, that's, I think a huge question to ask as a business. Um, I also think we have to ask that as individuals, you know, how are we living? What are we consuming? What are the companies we buy from and are they enhancing or depleting when we, when we use their products or services? Um, but I do think, you know, this idea of recognizing that we are global, right? And that what we put out there has such a ripple effect um, as, as leaders and as CEOs, if you are only thinking about your bottom line uh, and, you, you know, what your, your revenue is, how much profit you made this year, um, I just think that's so short-sighted in terms of where we are globally. And I think why we're feeling so much pain right now and this whole shift and what you're doing and everybody's like, what is going on? It's just so crazy is because we're at the tipping point of people having to take off their blinders and recognize that what the way that we have been doing business and living isn't the answer. It's not the right way. There's a dip, better way. And it's really painful for people to like recognize that because it requires us to change, which I think you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And um, I even think people at the highest level of an organization, it is terrifying to change. It is terrifying to think maybe the way we've been doing this isn't the right way, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the way we've been making money all these years isn't the right way. Um, yeah, I just, I just think, you know, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly, but uh, yeah, let me just stop there. Maybe we'll just keep talking about it. What thoughts do you have on that? Yeah, and I, well, for me, it feels like time. I, I agree with the tipping point. I think we're at a threshold. I think we've got here through some unintentional consequences and some intentional, you know, mm -hmm. I think we've got to be real about that. Um, I think our priorities are out of whack for a world we might want to create yes. in the world. Definitely. And I think that business could be an incredible evolutionary force for change. Yep. I do believe it could. But to do that, I think you're right. I think we need to take the blinders off. I think we need to turn and face the harsh realities of where we are today. And it's not about apportioning blame. It's about getting more intentional about, so what are we going to do from here on out? Like now we see where we are and how we've got where we are today. Like what are the choices we're going to make going forward that could potentially change things? 
Yes. And, and I think you're right. I think change, like nobody wants change, like in, in many ways, when it actually comes down to it, we certainly don't want forced change, which no. is where a lot of us find ourselves right now. Mm -hmm. So that's why I'm interested in, you know, like from a leadership perspective, if there are leaders listening to this, I'd love to ask you to kind of get a little bit granular, Tara, here, because mm -hmm. I can imagine, you know, leaders listening to this or even executive coaches or consultants that go into organizations that have these problems that you're talking about and thinking, yeah, we want to be a catalyst for change, but how, like, where do you start with mm -hmm. something like this? Because there's complexity here and there's stakeholders and there's beliefs and ideas and measurements in place that, that lean towards different priorities so where do people start well yeah that's a great question and i do think there's a lot of macro considerations and micro considerations um yeah i i do think there are some amazing organizations out there that are helping businesses with that kind of um shift in how they do business and one is becoming a certified b corp and if you're not familiar with what that is, that you can go online and check that out. But you're basically saying we are now agreeing to do business um, and meet a certain set of guidelines that um, have been established by, you know, this, this B Corp um, organization uh, that are sustainable, that take into account not just profit, but of course, people, planet, you know, all of those things. Um, and so those organizations provide tools and resources to really help companies figure out where do we need to shift how we're doing things. Um, I think some companies are going to be faced with really hard choices and questions. And I don't, you know, the, because of just the nature of their business and if it's um, going to continue to, to work. Uh, I was just talking to a neighbor's friend who's visiting, who owns a very, very popular barbecue uh, restaurant. I, I don't even want to say where, because I think it's really very popular. <laughs> but um, they're here visiting, and one of the things they were saying is, you know, we don't even think 10 years from now, our restaurant, we, we need to start thinking about shifting right now, like going to plant-based, right, diets, and offering other things because 10 years from now people aren't there's not going to be the overwhelming kind of desire to eat eat this way mm -hmm. and i think organizations no matter what they do if they're doing something right now that is depleting right the environment that is not healthy that is not helping that is causing you know impacting climate change in a negative way 10 years from now your business may not have the the support people purchasing products and services so if you're not having this conversation like i said before i think you're being short-sighted because things are shifting mm. and you just can't bury your head in the sand and hope you know we're just going to keep keep on keeping on um, <laughs> and trying to make money and, you know, cutting, slashing employees and cutting expenses and doing all these unsustainable things with our people. 
that are just biting you in the foot anyway. It's like you, you get, it's like a domino effect, right? Yeah. When you're not willing to take off the blinders and really recognize that we are all connected and what we are putting out into the world matters and people are paying attention more than they ever have. So that's kind of the macro, you know, my thoughts on that. Um, and there are organizations that can help. B Corp is the one that I think of. I don't know if you know of any, Jane, that you would recommend, but that to me is a really strong um, organization that's growing. I think that's true. And I, I'd also, you know, not negate the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals for 2030 mm -hmm. as a sustainable framework for change, because I know that there's a growing urgency for, and it's particularly coming from the financial sector, for organizations to not only have a deeper purpose aligned with the UN SDGs in terms of their marketing and you know, what they're saying they're taking a stand for, but there's also a growing urgency from impact investing and the clean money revolution to really start to embody these things within their organization. So yeah. that I just point people towards, yes, the certified B Corp and also the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, because there's a lot of resources out there. There really is. Yeah. And I, I, I just want to say this because I find it super fascinating. All of my money is in impact investing. I do all sustainable investing myself. I do all my own research. I invest in, you know, sustainable organizations and funds that are all, you know, the things that we're talking about. And interestingly, right now, as you know, the markets are really tanking. Mm -hmm. um, I am not seeing a huge... Um, shift in my investments mm. where my friends, my parents, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, we got to pull all our money out. And I'm just like, huh, this is just validating what we're talking right. about here is that guess what? These organizations that are more sustainable yeah. aren't seeing potentially, I mean, this is how I, I'm making some assumptions here, but the, the impact of what's happening isn't as painful for them for some reason. And, yeah. so, and I'm not seeing it in my investments. Um, so I just wanted to say that because it, 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 we're all connected, right? This does make a difference. These companies who are doing it right, um, they, they're, in my opinion, hopefully going to be able to brave these storms. And, and this is just one small example that I'm experiencing that validates that. So, Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for sharing that because I think it's important we understand these different shifts that are happening now. And one of the things I think is, you know, once money gets involved, then organizations are going to stop and listen, definitely. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> but I'd, I'd love to hear you give voice to, you know, what's the cost if an organization doesn't get on board with these changes? Well, I think we've discussed a few of them. Um, mm. You know, there, there's, of course, I mean, one that's obvious that's happening is, you know, the cost of health care and people being sick and um, mental health and all of the, the just business costs that continue to become almost a deterrent at this point for new business to, businesses to try and even get into the marketplace, right? Because mm -hmm. it, the costs that that we could potentially control with some of the things we're discussing here that could be reduced 
some of these costs, um, they're just skyrocketing. And uh, so that's one. The other one, uh, of course, is just the cost of retention of an employee and, and bringing on new employees. We know is, depending on their level, can be two times or three times someone's salary to find them and recruit them and onboard them and train them. All of that is extremely expensive. Um, I think when you have a team of people who are not working at their fullest potential, who are not working optimally because they're lonely, uh, I don't even know how you put a number to that. We know engagement is, I think it's been ranging at like 24% <laughs> for years. Um, we know they even have equated that to costs of billions and billions of dollars of lost productivity. So the costs are, are from a business perspective are huge, but let's even take that to just an individual perspective, right? how is it, what is it costing us to not be in, an, in work that uh, cares about who we are as a person, right? That is, cares about authentic con connection between people that creates a space for people to actually build relationships rather than just trying to increase interactions, right? like forcing people to, oh, you got to connect at least three times a day with your employees. Um, that, that doesn't help if there's not real relationship building going on. Um, you know, and, and creating this space to make, give time for people to really get to know each other and share their stories. And I find that stories are one of the most powerful paths to human connection. You know, I listened to your story on your, one of your first or second podcasts and I was like, wow, I feel way more connected to you um, knowing that story and uh, so grateful that you shared it. So thank you. But I think when we know people's stories, um, that builds that real human, like you said it, you know, it's, it's part of who we are. It's written on our hearts and souls, <laughs> you know, right. to connect in this way. Um, and I feel like when we do get to know each other at that level, at that soul level, people don't just lean in, but they are pushing in, right? They're reaching right. out there. They're really building these beautiful relationships that nourish them and give people strength. You know, and I, I am a certified uh, Brene Brown facilitator. And if you don't know who she is, I would encourage all of you to go and find her work. But she has spent her, you know, career researching um, shame and vulnerability and belonging. And she actually describes belonging as the innate human desire to be part of something larger than us, right? And it doesn't mean fitting in. It doesn't mean that, you know, well, maybe I go out to work. Uh, I go out for happy hour every Thursday with a group from work, or I run with some people at lunch. That might be fitting in, but in actuality, that can kind of be a little shallow right? We don't actually have relationships that aren't maybe deeper than that. Uh, and what I have found, and in my own experience, is that many people wear a mask at work. And, and there's actually, you know, this was a term that was coined 
probably a little bit of a while, a while ago where people were masking their race because they didn't want people to know what their race is. Well, now I see people masking a whole myriad of things, right? They're masking sexual identity or orientation. They're masking um, feelings. They're masking their style. They're masking their ideas. They're masking their every, it's just, you know, we come to work with this mask and this protection uh, Brene Brown calls it our uh, calls it our shields, right? That we go in with these shields on. Um, there's no way that we're going to let people in, or people are going to get to know us, and we're going to feel that true sense of belonging if that's how we're operating. So, from a micro level, what we're talking about here requires every single person listening to this to be willing to remove their mask and be vulnerable. And the only way that can happen on a team or at work is if people feel secure and safe, that it is okay who they are, you know, is showing up at work. They're part of a tribe. They belong. If they've had a bad day or someone's spreading rumors about you, or maybe you even did something embarrassing or you made a mistake, that won't matter to your tribe because you belong. In fact, your tribe probably would come to your rescue. They would emotionally support you. They would gather around you because they know the real you. They know what's behind the mask. You've let them in, right? That's, that's like so important. And um, I was, when I was writing my keynote, I was trying to think of a movie that I felt really demonstrated this idea of belonging. And the one that kept coming to me, which I've literally watched at least 10 times, is Rudy. Have you ever watched the football movie, Rudy? No, I don't think I have. <laughs> oh, it's such a good movie. Um, it's such, so it's this little guy who loves football and he, all he wants to do, his lifelong dream is playing at Notre Dame. And he goes to every length to get into Notre Dame, right? He got into school first and then he tried to sh uh, sign up to be on the football team and they laughed at him. And then they told him he could just work around, you know, the locker room. Um, and anyway, he, they eventually, he got on the football team, but it was just like, oh, we'll just give him a jersey, you know, we're not going to let him play. <laughs> and uh, he, the, the football team took him in. And this is a true story, actually. Um, so they took him in and they, they basically, he became part of that tribe. And literally he was like my height. I don't know. It looked like he was five foot one. And these guys on the Notre Dame football team are like six foot seven. And they went into the coaches, you know, this, this is where I really noticed the sense of belonging is they were like, I'm not going to play unless you let him, unless you let him play. And the coach was like, you're ridiculous. That's insane. And they all came in and put down their jerseys and said, I want, Rudy to play in my place coach and every single player came in and laid down their jersey and said I'm not going to play unless you let him you know and I just feel like that's such a powerful story about the lengths people will go to for people when we've created this sense of belonging and how how much it matters and we know their stories so at a micro level we all have to be willing to, to, to let people in and get to know their stories. That is how we start creating this day-to-day -day in our interactions with people. Mm, I love that. It felt visceral as you were telling the story there of Rudy. Yeah. And so I, 
I just imagine that if we can bring that level of connection to this era of, you know, virtual teams, you know, and virtual working that we have, things would really, the world would change. Yes. And we have to approach it from all of these angles, right? The, the business perspective, the leader perspective, the employee perspective, the community perspective. I mean, it really needs to be something that enough people are talking about like we are and influencing it and talking to their neighbors about it and having conversations on their teams about it and, and asking harder questions, right? Mm -hmm. About the choices that we're making day to day and how do we make different choices? And yes, it will require all of us to change. But if we look at where we're heading, there isn't enough, there's no other option. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to be forced, as you said, to change, which we are kind of in right now. And in my opinion, things like the coronavirus will keep happening until we're willing to say, okay, what do we, got, what do we have to do to change, you know, to change this, to change the way we, we live, we work, we interact with each other, um, the yeah. way we, we spend our money. Um, and fortunately, it's, I think it will continue to be forced on us unless we're willing to, to have our own revolution, right? And maybe it won't hurt as much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I'm totally with you there, Tara. So as a final question to just bring this incredible conversation to a close, if there was something you hoped we'd get to today, something that you would want to share with our listeners and we haven't quite got there yet, what might it be? I think I would just say everything we're talking about here, the question for you to, to kind of leave this with is what are you willing to do really to fight for humanity, right? To fight for this, this connection revolution. Um, it's not about a process. It's not about a tool. It's actually about something that we already know that's written on our hearts and on our souls. And, and if we do this, if we start moving forward, trying to make people feel like they belong, show people that they matter, nourish relationships, nourish the beautiful relationships that we have and get the big bonus of getting nourished in return, that is where we all get to step into, I believe, our fullest potential, whatever that looks like. We cannot do it without each other. And so I think the question for you today is to leave here with, where can you take off that mask where you haven't been your authentic self and really reach out, get to know someone, get to know their story. Maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's your team member, maybe it's your boss, maybe it's, um, you know, someone at school, but where do we, can we create this space and time to get to know each other's stories and to really nourish each other? Because to me, that is how we're going to change the way we're connecting and make it more human. And that, in my opinion, will change the world. So that's what I'd like to leave you with. Wow. Such a great questions there, Tara. Thank you so much. My gosh. 
I have really enjoyed our conversation today. It feels like a really important one and a very timely one for us to be having. So thank you yeah, so thank much. Thank you. I appreciate your time <laughs> so much and the space you created. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. And thank you. To all of our listeners, I, I just, you know, just want to encourage you to create some space. Just press pause on your life and just listen to those questions that Tara's given us. I think they're very, very important questions. So that's all we have time for today. And thank you so much for listening in. Before we go, I want to talk to you about something that I've learned that is really important to know and is very aligned to the conversation we've had today, which is you can't change the world by yourself. And, you know, you might laugh at that, but it's true. Research tells us that the single biggest predictor of you reaching your goals is actual social support. It's this authentic connection. You need a community of people who have got your back. When you have this, you're way more likely to make the impact you want and achieve your goals. So I would like to invite you to take a look at Changemaker Society, our global network of changemakers. It's one of the most extraordinary engaged groups of people committed to making the world a better place. Some of us work in the transformation industry, some of us don't. Our diversity, though, is our strength. We support each other to grow personally and professionally, and together we are making a relevant impact while reminding each other to take and practice good self-care along the way. No single person can change the world, but by joining a community and being a good member, you get access to multiple perspectives. So please, whether it's sacred change makers or not, Go get yourself some social support and take off that mask and create those authentic connections in your life. Because if it's not currently activated in your life, it's going to make a real difference to the impact that you can make. And the members are actually our sponsors who help us keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, I hope you'll consider joining us. So for now, I just want to say thank you for listening. Thank you for the work that you're doing to make our world a better place. And until next time, lots of love.